All right. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of How I Met Your Mortgage, the sweetest smelling podcast in the world. That's an old Robin Williams joke that some of you will get. <clears throat> Certainly the boomers. In any case, we're back with another episode. I am your host, Adam Smith, with Just the Tips Coaching. And with us, as always, is our marketing director and an all-around great human being, Jen Waypore. Good morning, Jen. Good morning, Adam. I do that shit yeah. all the time. I keep saying good morning, and it is, when we're live. It's Not true. that all of our guests are always in the mountain time zone, although we got lucky with that today. And, of course, the vast majority of our viewers and listeners are probably catching us in syndication and not live and it's not morning at that point so someday i'll break that habit it's only been what seven years 300 episodes whatever we're gonna get past it someday in any case we've got a really cool guest for you guys today uh somebody that we have looked forward to having on the show for a good long while probably a year or two at this point so welcome to the show ann singleton hi ann Hi, good morning. How are you today? Morning. Well, yes, you are good. You got your coffee topped off okay? Excellent. <laughs> I'm ready. All right. Is that an ember mug? Yes. Uh, sorry, for those of you, ah, I oh, love my yeah. ember. Yeah, for those of you that are uh, merely listening to the podcast and not catching our video cast, uh, and showed us an ember mug, which is a wireless rechargeable heating mug. So, your coffee never gets cold, and there's an app that goes with it, so you can set the temperature that you like, and on and on. I think nice. it's a really cool toy. I think mine is sitting on the kitchen counter full of pens, to be honest, but um, <laughs> neither here nor there. It is plugged in and charged, and housing some pens. Um, so, and our audience, as you've probably gained after all this time, is going to be mostly real estate agents like yourself. <laughs> loan originators like myself and Jen does the marketing for our mortgage brokerage as well. So really what we kind of want to give them is a taste of what somebody who's doing good business, having success, having consistency is bringing to the table from background. Where did we come from? How did we get into real estate? Where do our clients come from? All of that kind of hoot nanny. And I see we've gotten our first animal of the morning. There is a cat crawling around in the background for those of you who can't see it on video. And it looks like one of my cats, which is amazing because it kind of threw my brain for a loop for a minute. There, I was like, Mojo? No, that wouldn't be Mojo. <laughs> but nonetheless, yeah, adorable. Um, so, and how did you get started in real estate? What were you doing before you were in real estate? I worked for a consulting firm downtown that was basically like a staffing firm in the dot-com boom. Oh, and sure. we had like, you know, a zillion clients. And um, and then basically we shut down shop in like 2002 because you remember what happened with the dot-coms. And there, was, there was a bit of a balloon that bust, that burst. Yep. So basically I got fired and was on route for a new career. And I thought, well, there's no way I can get a job right now in my industry because I'm just dot com specialized and I loved going to open houses. So I just kept going. And then I thought, hmm, I'll get my real estate license and try it for a year. And I never left, never left it. Behind. Oh, that is really cool. And that was some time ago, just 20 years. 2002. Yeah, I got my license January of 2023. Wow. Okay. In so, my mid uh, 
Oh, I think Anne froze on us. Oh, there she is. Oh, um, my but that's no, no, no. You're good. Um, but okay. that's a big number. We we know just from NAR stats that eighty percent of agents fail in the first two years, eighty five percent in the first five years, somewhere right around there. Probably fluctuates a little. So for somebody to have that kind of longevity in the business is uber impressive all by itself. I mean, you've literally been doing this what appears to be most of your adult life. Definitely. Yes. Most uh, of my okay. adult life. Yeah. So where did you start once you had your license? Where did you hang it? Well, I did my first two months at Keller Williams and then I went to Remax for five years. And then I went to Innovative for two years and I've now been with Porchlight for 12, almost 12 years. Yeah, so I think the math adds up there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, absolutely. And uh, for those of you that aren't in the Denver metro area, uh, Porchlight is relatively boutique-ish. We certainly yeah. wouldn't put it on the level of uh, a Keller or a Remax or one of these giant, you know, mm -hmm. uh, uh, Home Depot type of right. conglomerates by any means. Uh, definitely more boutique-ish, small to medium size. That has got to lend to an amazing sense of culture, yeah, which we right. cannot emphasize enough for all of you listening, your company's culture, your team's culture. Yeah. These have got to be important things. But now I'm really curious, and your stint with Keller Williams was a blink of an eye. <laughs> well, um, honestly, at the time, it was because I, <laughs> I had a few sales up front and I was, they were just taking too much of my money in my opinion. It, I've learned since then that that is a silly thing because you get what you pay for. But I went to Remax, which was, you know, hundred percent commission. And then I left Remax because I needed all those other things, you know, that you pay for at other companies within your split. So I have finally settled to the perfect balance of I get to make money and then I get to pay people to do the things I don't like to do so I can focus on the things that I do well. Uh, and, and we're going to want to get into that. We'll, we'll yeah, definitely yeah. want to get into that as well. Um, so a quick change, another relatively quick change. Where was the business coming from? Where, where were your buyers well, and sellers? Was it a working leads? So I started very early on doing open houses um, for anyone at the time that would let me. In fact, that's a major reason I, I left for Porchlight. I mean, I would just call other agents because I had zero business, you know, 2003. I was like this. I think people thought I was in high school still at the time. Uh, and I'd show up for a listing appointment and they'd be like, oh, aren't you a little young? And they don't think that anymore. But back uh, then, I just would beg people to let me hold their houses open and I'd be schlepping my signs. And I would just meet people because my sphere at the time, you know, was just out of college. And um Nobody had any money to buy any houses with. So, you know, my sphere was a bunch of, of very poor people and um, I needed to get out there and get established. So I worked an open house every single weekend that I could um, and I would meet people that way. And then I slowly built up my database. And then I learned early on that if you don't stay in touch with people in a very intentional manner, that they just kind of disappear, not because they didn't like you or they didn't think you did a good job, but like if you're not literally in front of someone's face, it's it's like you just disappear out of their lives. So I like to um, keep very close tabs on my clients. 
And if I fail at that, then, then I guarantee they're going to find somewhere else to go in five years, you know? So, um, so open houses was really my start. I mean, that was my diving board, my platform. And, And don't get me wrong. I still think there is some significant value in that today. We, uh, co-host some open houses with some of the real estate agents that we work with. We certainly encourage real estate agents, particularly newer ones, fresher ones, to do that kind of thing. I think that open houses, and we've got a major housing shortage, every major metropolitan area, coast to coast. We don't need to hold houses open to sell houses. Houses sell, right? Correct. Open houses, however, can be an incredible lead gen technique and tactic if they're done properly. If we're doing good data capture, those kinds of things. Oh, I see uh, one of our other coaches and a past coaching client interrupting us. He has to know the cat's name. What's the cat's name? Winnie Rose. Winnie Rose. David, Winnie Rose. All right. (laughs) So, yeah, we're certainly pro open house. Um, I think that that's a valuable tool for generating leads, for adding to your contact database, for building up your audience. But you nailed it, Anne. Staying top of mind as we kind of use that as a, well, we've overused that as a cliche when it comes to people that are indirect to consumer sales gigs for large ticket items like homes, like mortgages, true of insurance, financial planning, high-end automobiles. They don't even have to be that high-end anymore. Although, is there such a thing as a low-end automobile? I think I read this week that the average (laughs) car payment is $800. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's great. It's insane. insane. Um, But I do think that that is valuable technique, valuable tactic. I think that it's one of the tools that we can use, that you as new agents or as new originators can use in the effort to accomplish the fact that eyes open, eyes closed. Every day for the entirety of your career, you've got to be thinking about how to build your audience, how to get more people to consume more of your content, how to get people to hear your message, those kinds of things. And I think that that's a wonderful tactic. Are you, it's a, are you it's still doing them? Yep, I still do them. In fact, I, I mean, my business has probably is 10 times larger than it was back then. And I still try to do open houses as many weekends as I can, at least for a few hours. And I think it just builds your credibility as well. Um, just even spending time in a different house uh, and and seeing what people come through and what they say and, and getting their feedback on a very, very, I mean, it's basically market research, right? Well, sure. I'm listening to what people have to say. And then it gives me a chance to like add my own value to people that have questions or whatever. I mean, some people are like, don't talk to me. I'm just, I just want to see the dishwasher and leave. But eventually (laughs) you you establish your value and that you're not just trying to, you know, swindle them as a client. You're trying to provide a valuable resource like any professional, a doctor, a lawyer, a plumber, an electrician. I mean, your value is all that you have to offer. And I think that people's love language is being heard and listened to and quality time. So I try to really engage in the people as I meet them. And then as they become my clients and as we close, I try to still be kind of involved um, in their lives, so to speak, with being a resource in the future, like protesting their tax data. for Uh Um, Good example in the last month. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, so there's something that you said that really uh, raised my eyebrows, put a few additional wrinkles in my brow, as it were. And Jen and I are really big on personality study. We yeah. work a lot, and certainly through our entire coaching program on sales psychology and how do we really relate to people, so on and so forth. And we study disc profiles and Enneagram and strength finders, David, since we know you're <laughs> listening. Um, but I don't think I've ever heard somebody mention their love language when it came to their business. And we talk about it. I know mine. I guarantee you Jen knows hers. Yeah. And to be able to take that kind of very personal, individualized type of content into your lead gen, into your sales and marketing and prospecting might be one of the most brilliant things I've heard recently. I think that was one of the yeah. sharpest things somebody said on the show in some time <laughs> now. No uh, insult intended for anybody who's been on the show recently, but man, brilliant, brilliant stuff. Yeah, absolutely. So what else are you doing in the modern day when it comes to your lead gen, finding buyers and sellers? Because it's obviously very different than it was in 02. Right. Right. Well, I'm a little old, so I don't do as much Instagram and um, social. I mean, I do do social media, but I don't do it to the level that I see some of these young whippersnappers doing it. And I get a little bit jealous and I'm going to try to up my Insta game. But um, what has always worked in the past outside of the open houses is I try to do events on a pretty regular basis, both an event that I work with my company so that we have like that economies of scale advantage where we can take everyone to the botanic gardens at Christmas time, things like that. And then I try to do smaller, more intimate events, whether that be dinner parties, we try to do an annual wine tasting. Um, we we do top golf events, things like that, where you can just kind of get in front of your people, get a, a drink in their hand, some food in their bellies. We do an ice cream social, just things that makes people feel like they have an intimate relationship with you, um, which they do. I mean, it's it's not a lie or, or, a, or a fraud. I mean, you genuinely, if you're going to be good at your job, you have to genuinely care about the people that you're doing things for. Otherwise, you're literally working for one paycheck instead of a hundred. So, um, you know, I had my record sale this year in duration. Um, a guy that I sold a house to in 2004, we just sold his house in 2023, the same house that I had sold him. And that was like my longest, I mean, that was like 19 years time, you know, and I stayed in touch with that person. And I just thought, you know, you get a special prize because, <laughs> because you're my longest duration that I've been in touch with the same person. And I think there's just something you know, sitting at the closing table, we were like, this is really, really cool. Like we were both single back then. We didn't have yeah. kids. And like now it's like, look how full circle this has come. Like my real estate agent is so close to me, you know? Yeah. So That's really cool. Kind of that is cool. Yeah. Yeah. I love what you said about working for a hundred paychecks. If you, you right. know. Right. Don't screw up. You know, like you have, you have to get it the long haul. Did I freeze again? I think I'm frozen. No. Now you're good. And I think that there's a lot to be considered in the fact that, yeah. and especially now, because there's no question that real estate mortgages are moving at a slower pace, a lower volume yeah. Yeah. than they yeah. were mm -hmm. in recent years. 
And I am starting to see a lot of people focus on the transaction instead of on the client. I'm starting to see a lot of people worried about the next paycheck rather than their career. And unfortunately, a lot of them are making poor decisions because of it. I don't think it's... I don't think it's the motivation. I don't think that, hey, I just want to close this deal for as much as I can and move on to the next one. Right. I, I don't think right. that there's any, you know, thought process to that, any clarity right. to that. I just think people are in a weird spot. Hungry. They're hungry right now. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, th- I think that's a lot of it. And it's funny because in our mortgage office, we see it with a lot of real estate agents that we don't do regular work with. Because you can tell that they're coming from a place of, you know, more along the lines that if I don't close this deal, I'm not going to be able to pay my mortgage. Not if I don't close this deal, I failed my clients. That kind of thing. Well, that's a very dangerous line to draw. Um, Oh, very. Very dangerous because if you you lean towards the, the, the earlier camp, you're going to make a mistake. You're going to see something not for what it is. And you're going to slip on your, not necessarily your ethics, but you, you might encourage or discourage something that you otherwise wouldn't. Like I had a client decide that they weren't going to buy this year after we spent a long time looking at properties. Mm. And it just was like what they wanted versus the interest rates currently. And it was the right decision for them. And if I had leaned towards, well, I really need this paycheck and I've already spent, you know, 8 million hours with this person, then I wouldn't be doing a service for them. And I know that this person in a year is going to call me and know that I had their best interest in mind. But it is hard when you're like, oh, but I really, really, really need this paycheck. I mean, you, you can just have those thoughts into your own mind, but you have to make sure it doesn't calculate into your business. It's a very scary, very scary line. I think so too. And I think that there's even a step further that's really bothering me or at least gnawing at the back of my mind. Uh, I've got a Mm -hmm. client recently really desperate for just a tiny little amount of cash, really small. Um, Older gentleman, well into his 80s, in a reverse mortgage, is now asking me to put him back into a forward mortgage so that he can take this little bit of cash out. And in reality... He shouldn't. He really can't afford it. It is going to create a much bigger problem for him in a short amount of time. And I told him, no, I I won't do it. This is not the solution you're looking for. And it wouldn't surprise me if he picked up the phone and called somebody or called people until he found somebody that would do it for him. But you were looking out for him and his best interest. Oh, yeah. Oh. That's obvious, you know. I, I think it's we would hard. be setting him up for a significant failure. Like you're going to lose your home failure. Especially at that age and that life stage. Yeah. No, I mean, that's yeah. very dangerous. He's got a very safe situation right now. Yeah. Um, but, but neither here nor there. Um, and David interrupting us again, wants to know from you, Anne. Oh, there's his question popping up on our stream. How are you determining, potentially determining, someone's love language when it's obviously oh, relatively oh. detail oriented how are you analyzing potential you know clients leads advocates for what the best way to communicate with them is at least i hope i'm phrasing your question properly david so 
I have a very keen sense of a person when I meet them and I listen really, really well. I mean, I love to talk, so don't get me wrong, but I love to listen. And I can usually tell right away if someone is like, I just want the facts. I just want you to tell me everything. I want information. And I know the people that are like, I really can't do this on my own. So I need you to say, we could take this cabinet and turn it white and we could put gold knobs on it. And then this mid-century comes back to life. And I know people who are like, talk to my wife, not to me, please, because she's yeah. the decision maker. And I and I know the people that like little gifts. Like, I like when you take me out to lunch. I like when you take me to coffee. I like, um, and then I like your quality time. I want to call, I want to know that I can call you at 10 o'clock at night. And I, yes, I'm very boundaryless when it comes to that. But, um, oh, I'm putting you know, that I, on my I, phone I can, right now. <laughs> I can, I can really tell within usually a few hours of engagement what, that person's kind of deeper needs are. And once you know someone's deeper needs, then you can operate and engage them in such a way that meets those needs. Cause I've got people that are like, I don't want to see you. I don't want to talk to you. Like, I just want the facts and, you know, just give me good information and be excellent at your job. But I don't want to see you socially. I mean, not in a yeah. rude way, but you can just call it sure. some other thing. You know? And then there's people who are like, can we go out for happy hour? Like, where's the best place to get a martini? And they want to talk like that. And I'm always game for all of those things. And I, especially when I work with couples, like I set, I get to know both couples right away. And I know who, who I'm talking, like, I know the whole relationship dynamic. And I feel, I feel like most people are quality time, um, gifts or acts of service. Like, I think those are kind of the top three. We don't really deal with like the, per, the physical touch one so okay. much in the well, let's just drop that one from the mix. Yeah, but, uh, um, creepy, but not out of the realm of what actually right, goes right. on in the world. Uh-huh. But I'm a hugger. I'm a hugger. So if someone's a hugger, I'll, I'll, I'm a, I'm a good hugger. But, um, I just, I feel like you can just listen to a person and you know right away. I mean, it's just, it's kind of like dating. I tell my clients all the time that real estate transactions is like dating. Like you're dating the house, and I'm dating you. Like, um. I'm getting to know what you're looking for. I'm getting to know your deeper needs. I'm getting to know the things that you're not saying that are really important. Like there is no place to put a vacuum cleaner in this house. Like you, we are not buying this house because you will get there and you'll be like, I don't have a place to put my vacuum cleaner. Why did you let me buy this house? And you know, you just kind of have to hear the things that aren't being said and really listen and be a sponge to hear their needs. Everyone loves to be heard and everyone loves the sound of their own name. And everyone loves uh, to know that you remember intimate details about them and about what they're looking for. And I try to remember all of those details if I can. Okay. Let's reel this back for a moment because you're covering right. a subject that is so ridiculously important in sales in general that I don't mm -hmm. want to just gloss over it. And okay. Jen and I talk about this repetitively. In fact, in at least one or two of our presentations, uh, maybe the tip of the tips are, you know, 90 minute class or in our half day program, Jen will know better than I would because she's the creative one. We yeah. actually have an individual slide that basically says, just shut up and listen. Now, here's the thing. We're salespeople. We're typically right. all type A. We do right. love to talk. We love the sound of our own voice and yeah. we're good at it. Yeah. The real skill is to shut up and listen. Yeah. Because yeah. people also love to talk and particularly yeah. about themselves, even when they're not in sales, your buyers, your sellers, your borrowers, all of you, your insureds, all of you guys listening to the sound of my voice, all of your clients love to talk as well. Probably not as much as you, but they do love to talk. 
And they will. And they'll tell you their pain points and open up doors and windows for you to go through to solve them, which is how we roll. We sell by solving problems. We don't sell by manipulation. We're not McDonald's running ads on TV. We're not Walmart running uh, print in every newspaper, et cetera. We have to sell by solving problems. One of the greatest way to figure out what those problems are, and if you can solve them, is to shut up and listen. And I'm not sure that anybody's really talked about that subject the way that you have today, Anne. So yeah, this has proven to be one of our greatest podcasts (laughs) in recent memory because we're actually uh, unearthing some new treasures here, which is rare. Um, And I think we all know that. What we do, how we approach it, you know, very historic Zig Ziglar kind of mentalities. Help as many people as you can get what they want and you're going to get what you want and adopt that in everything that you do is redundant and repetitive, but because it works. So for us to come across new content, new ideas anywhere in this is amazing. And for us to be able to kind of unearth some either really old or even brand new ideas to talk about on the podcast to give to our audience and thank you. That is some spectacular shit for us. Yeah, very, very cool. Okay, so tell us about what goes on currently with Porchlight. We talked about some, and team structure is one of our big modules in our coaching program as well. So I really just kind of want our audience to be able to get a grasp on how it is that you do what you do. And you're doing events and we do have an event planning module in our coaching program as well. And you're spending time in front of people, staying in touch, top of mind. You're doing a little bit of social media work, a little. We're going to kick your ass about that from here to the end. We try to do um, more. Try to do more. Okay. Yep. You got to do more. No question. Um, uh, I think it was actually Gary V that told us. And granted, at the time, Gary was selling wine. Wine is a lot more interesting than real estate and mortgages. But... What did he say, Jen? 40 pieces of social media content a day across all platforms? Yeah. Keeping in mind, I always, the disclaimer that that's, you know, if you post something to Facebook and Instagram, that's two pieces. That's two. So it's not, it's not 40 individuals. It's still, that's still a shit ton. Like we, we go for about a dozen and on Mondays we're very content heavy with the podcast, but um, yeah, 40 is. Video blog. Yep. Right. Yeah. Mondays are big. Yeah, Mondays um, okay. are big. <laughs> but I do want to cover a little bit of the team structure yeah. stuff because you brought it up and because it is something we work with our clients on and something that's of interest. We obviously want to make sure that our clients can hit basically three plateaus in their yeah. career. The first is that they are strictly doing business in a repeat and referral manner. Right. And that the majority of that is repeat clients and client referrals. Yeah, that way we're never reliant on somebody else doing their lead gen work for our business. Right. I don't I don't ever want to make sure I don't ever want to have to worry about is Anne generating leads because if she's not, she's not referring them to me. Right. Okay. Right. That kind of thing. The next plateau, obviously, that we're really only doing things that we either love to do, like events with clients or things that really pay us well, high dollar activity. Right. Even if we don't love them, you got to do them. And that the rest of the work is being done by somebody else. And then our third plateau, which we'll never get to today, is building a business that you can walk away from while it still pays you. And that's obviously yeah. a very, that's very cool. big deal. That's cool. right. right. <laughs> but in these first two 
plateaus, you are obviously working on a lot of this where you've got people doing this other work for you that you either don't love or isn't $200 an hour work or whatever the case may be. How does that look like for you? You've got a TC, you've got an assistant, you've got a buyer's agent. What does that look like for Anne? So Porchlight sets it up in such a way that I don't need my own buyer's agent, um, which is something I like because you can work for any company. I mean, I don't even think half my clients know who I work for. You don't it's, work for the company, you work for your clients. I work totally. for my clients. But um, Porchlight takes so much off of my plate. So I have a, a like a business level transaction coordinator that runs everything for me on, on the paper. So that I'm not forgetting something or putting stuff together or spending all my time behind a computer. And she's amazing. And if anything ever happens to her, I will fall apart. Um, But then we also have like marketing people that put together pieces for us individually. Like my my husband and I, my husband Jake is also an agent at Porchlight. And um, we did an event for MS for multiple sclerosis at at the Comedy Works. And Porchlight did all the marketing for it. They put together the pieces. I didn't have to do it. I just had to send it out as as an invite. And um, they also do my all of my database work. I write letters. They mail them out because I try to like touch people with letters on a regular basis. Um, oh, good tip right there. Out. Yeah, you got it. And then hand and handwritten notes are are really great. I mean, we we've incorporated that into our our business. They'll plan events for me um, when I take a listing. I basically say, "Here's my listing," and they set up my photography, my, they stage it, they clean it, they hire someone to come and measure it and make a floor plan for me. So that by the time we go on market, everything is so perfect. And I just look like I'm, I'm really good at my job, you know? And, um, I didn't have to do all that stuff. I, I brought in the, the place I brought in the home and I, um, priced it out, which is the most important key in marketing is your pricing. And then Porchlight kind of took over the rest. And then just to add to that, I love all the people I work with, which is really helpful. I mean, when you're choosing a company, I feel like lots of companies can do the same thing. And so pick the one who you want to travel with and you want to eat dinner with and you want to have drinks with that also take care of half of your life's work. Um, I was uh, hospitalized on bed rest in the hospital when I was um, pregnant at one point and I had like, I think nine or 10 closings during that time frame, and nothing missed a beat because we just had such a team of people that could take care of everything I needed them to take care of. And that was super helpful. So, um, you know, I just think you need kind of your ride or die when you're talking about your water cooler talk people, you know, and I think that that's a really, really special thing that I found at Porchlight, which is why I've been there so long. Oh, I, I don't think special begins to define it. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's crucial. It is absolutely necessary. It the is. People that you're with, your team, your team's mm-hmm. culture, your company's culture, whatever that happens to be, has, it's probably one of the top three things. Right. Um, in, I want to be an business. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and thank you. I am so glad. Yes, Jen, I know we're See already running over. But, <laughs> Sorry. Uh, it's no, fine. I see the cat. It's fine. The cat's back. Uh, Well, and it has been worth every minute. Um, Great. Yeah. And can we get you back on the show? Yeah, I'd love to. I feel like we have, I I feel like you've gone through our program already, minus the social media. Right. Uh, I'm I'm going to have to ride her like Seabiscuit to keep her (laughs) on top of that stuff. But yeah, we would love to have you back. I feel like there is so much more to talk about with you. Okay. I'd love to come back anytime. Cool. 
All right, Jen, what else is going on at Just the Tips these days? So much. And I apologize. My voice is still a wreck from having the lovely cold that our whole office had. So um, we are a week and a half out from Social Media Day Denver, which is insane. So it's Friday, June 23rd at Metro State University. We have some killer content lined up this year. Um, Adam's going to talk about streaming, literally what we're doing right now, StreamYard. Um, I'm going to talk about content creation. We have an AI panel. We have LinkedIn, Google My Business, some seriously great content and great people. So um, there's still tickets available for that. Uh, Mile High Mastermind is September 29th and 30th, which is going to be here before we know it, I'm sure. So um, you can get all of that and everything just the tips from by texting tips to 63566. It will give you past episodes of the podcast. It'll give you our weekly little tip. You can book an hour of coaching, get Adam's book, all the things. All the all things. The things. Yeah. Well, this has been spectacular. And thank you. I know carving out this kind of time on a Monday morning when you're busy is uh, not an easy thing to do. And uh, if you would thank Winnie Rose for us, that would be uh, amazing as well. For those of you that are uh, not catching the video cast, but uh, the majority of our audience is the podcast, you should uh, (laughs) take a minute to uh, go find this particular uh, video cast on Facebook, LinkedIn. (laughs) Uh, YouTube, uh, and so you can catch a glimpse of Winnie Rose entertaining all of us in <laughs> Anne's background. <laughs> so cute. Very cute. Oh, now she's actually posing. So, yeah, yeah that is perfect. Thank you, Winnie. Uh, so, on that note, to the rest of you watching live or in syndication, listening live or in syndication, thank you for tuning in. You can catch us live at 10.30 a.m. on Mondays mountain time and outside of that thanks for listening thanks for watching and we will see you guys next week bye